introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. Out to the right. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he oh, pitches it. This. To oh, Mo Williams. Touchdown. You got it, big back for part two of the last dance episode uh hope you enjoyed we had a lot of fun recording it all right so, Prince, yeah, so you brought something up you you talk about how the uh the game the, the documentary and it, it shows showcases a lot of different leadership styles yeah obviously michael jordan even you know you touch a little bit even on there on, on magic and kind of how he was when you talked on some of the dream team stuff you got larry bird in two different facets you see him in the beginning you see him later on as a coach um and then you got Phil Jackson, who it, many people might say is the one of the greatest leaders in kind of the sports has ever seen, at least in modern sports, and his ability to go in and take big personalities, huge egos, and mold them around a common idea and get them to go out and, and perform at a, at a high level and figure out how to, to push those buttons to get really talented people together to get them you know all moving in the same direction which is something that we can we've we've seen many times over just having the most talent doesn't make the best team um, i love phil jackson by the way his mentality so that idea that about built- phil jackson that you like though that you'd want to see spun forward if we bring this back now it is a vikings yeah podcast. we got to talk a little bit of vikings yep, yep um so like phil jackson because you got to see a lot about his philosophy and like how he coached and all those things what are some of the lessons from phil jackson that you might want to see employed by like Mike Zimmer or the coaching staff um, as we move forward, um, like from a leadership perspective that potentially we could, could use to be better as, as a team, I guess yeah. or with you and then Miles, you, you, yep. I, I would say, um, and you guys, uh, I've been very vocal about it and I'll say it again. Um, I, I, I love as much as people won't see it. Like, I love the fact that Adam Thielen has an edge to him. I love that what would, for other players, they would consider to be diva mentality. I, I love that, that there's that edge to him, that he, he, like, the game gets him that passionate where he's like, no, I'm going to throw my helmet on the ground. Like, things didn't go the way, like, I want to go and win. Um, I believe that same thing about, like, a guy like Stefan Diggs, right? Um, and Phil Jackson was able to do, like you said, he was able to do something with, he not only had Michael, he had Kobe as well, too. He had two players who, and I think only Phil Jackson could have done that, right? He had two players who had a very similar mentality that it's just like. He treated you know, Kobe just like he was Mike. Exactly, right? <laughs> Straight up. And, 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 and that helped Kobe to even rise to his stardom, right? Like, so with, with Mike Zimmer and just like the coaching staff in Minnesota, I – my biggest criticism is I feel like they shy away from greatness um, because they're afraid that they won't be able to handle that personality. They won't be able to handle the Richard Sherman's, the uh, you know, like this, that Seahawks uh, team that was, you know, 2012 through 2016 or whatever it was um, because they're afraid of what it like the distractions or whatever it might happen or how the fans are going to perceive it and stuff. And, Ultimately speaking, um, the lesson that I think that needs to be learned is um, the more you shy away from 
um, the more you shy away from uh, greatness as a, as a perception that it only needs to be one kind of way, um, I think the more that we're going to find ourselves in this, in this loop of mediocrity. Um, Cause at the end of the day, I've said this time and time again, if Randy Moss was in is on the Vikings today, he would have gotten traded away as well. Right. And every time we have a player of that caliber, we either trade them away, we get tired of them. We let them go. Um, this staff needs to, and even maybe the next regime or just organization needs to know um, you sometimes need to bring someone with a Mamba mentality. You need to bring someone who is so cold-blooded, who is not going to necessarily be what your perception of leadership is. Um, and you need to be able to maintain and control that and keep that on the path. If it is a bullet, you need to steer it towards, towards the target. If it is a, a speeding train, you need to keep it on the tracks, however you know how to. Um, and ultimately saying, I, I think I'm going to be um, be frank. I think Mike Zimmer doesn't have that. Um, I know that it was difficult handling the stuff with Adrian Peterson and stuff when he came in when he came into the Vikings and stuff in, in, in 2014. Um, and I think he did a decent job with making sure all of that didn't become such such a huge distraction. He really just focused on. Teddy's my guy. This is my team. I'm going to build my defense, all that stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, we're going to have players with, with uh, personalities. I want them to have personalities. I want them to have the mama mentality. I want them to have, to be able to, that winning at all costs is what matters. And if we are committed to that goal, um, then, you know, we, I might be able to achieve success, not just for one year, but, to have a Bulls type of dynasty, a Patriots type of dynasty, that though the, the thing that's so synonymous with those two organizations is they did whatever they needed to do to consistently win. They did not care about um, the perception of what people thought of, well, is this the right way to do this? Are, are we going to piss off our fans? No, winning will, will, will stop all screens. will stop all, you know, the chatter or whatever the case is, just win. And I think Jordan knew that, not well, only so for the first three, but the second I agree, one. I agree with you, but at the same time, that's not always true. Like, now I think winning just masks the issues, which is the the goal you want to win. But that doesn't like the issues don't just go away. But and, because and, you're and, winning, and no, no, I'm, not, I, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying either. I'm saying the fact, like in the, this documentary, we saw all the issues, we saw all the the dirty laundry, we saw all of it and they were still winning. Yeah. But like the whole so, thing to me is it's more about, yeah, no, I'll let you go ahead. I just wanted to yeah, like make that point. No. Yeah. And that's actually a good point, Miles. And I want to clarify winning is not going to mask the issues. What I'll say is how much do the issues really matter if you're winning? You know, if you are, if you are getting consistent Super Bowls, if you're winning NBA championships, if you're, if you are true, not just winning a couple of games, I mean, winning at all, like no one cared about how, um, you know, the, you know, people love to see heroes fall, the, the age old green goblin thing. Do we really care that there are issues? Do we care that Rus uh, Richard Sherman didn't like Russell Wilson? No, we didn't because they won the freaking Super Bowl, right? Did we care that Michael Jordan was a tyrant? It is fun now in 2020 to watch this documentary. It, it's, it's so much 
Like, and it's so entertaining to watch. But I don't care because they've won six championships. And I probably didn't, well, in the age of social media, I didn't, I didn't know back then and I was too young. But, like, no one really cared about those issues because the issues is like, yeah, players don't like each other. It, it's a place of employment. People are not going to get along. People are not inherently going to, like, we were, we're, we were best friends. We gelled. We, they we all hated the man that was running the team. <laughs> yeah, we, they did. And collectively, Jerry Krause, but at the same time, we think about it, like, Jerry Krause, honestly, like, as much as, like, I saw it, I would see it on, t- on Twitter, like, often, like, after every single one, like, especially the first couple episodes, Jerry Krause was such an idiot. Jerry Krause brought us MJ, brought us Rodman, brought us Pippen, brought us Phil Jackson, he didn't, bring, he, didn't bring, he didn't bring them, MJ. But yes, I understand. But I'm, but I'm saying, like, he was, yeah, he wasn't, but, like, to, to, to assemble after, after Jordan retired, to still bring forth that, uh, the, the squad, to bring, to bring over, uh, to bring Kerr back in, I think it was 91 or, or 90 or whatever, to bring Rodman over, to, like, who coach, to identify the talent that needed to do to have another three-peat. At the same time, I, I am in that last episode they they do say like honestly if jerry Krause did not say this is phil jackson's last year and they had to convince him jordan said it they probably would have came back and tried to win a, a seventh championship right so i can i can blame him for why the bulls didn't win more but at the same time i have to give him credit for they won six championships in 10 years and that's just so yeah unbelievably crazy to me so, yeah. What about what about you, Miles? Like, what were your your big takeaways? And I guess you can you can hop into the leadership question. But I guess another slant to it is like Michael Jordan. He was the unquestioned alpha of mm-hmm. the team. He was the leader. Everybody knew it. Like they they joke around and that when they're talking about the Utah series, we're like, so Jordan got the the rebound. Like, what were you gonna do? And everyone's like, I'm just getting the hell out the way. Like, you yep. know, taking the shot. There's no Steve Kerr. Like nobody else is taking. But the they shot. were good with it though. And everyone was good with it. Right. So let's, again, talking about football, talking about the Vikings. We've discussed before, like, Kirk Cousins isn't that type of personality. No. He's not that guy. And so is it possible? I guess it's possible. But I guess what are your thoughts on you know, having a team where your quarterback isn't necessarily like that guy, like that kind of alpha guy that everyone kind of rallies around and like things are down. He pulling people by the helmets and saying, Hey, we're going to win this game. Like we're going to figure it out. Like that's not something that's really been the story about Kirk Cousins for through his career. And definitely not since he's been in the Vikings where guys are really coming out and talking about Kirk Cousins in that fashion. Um, is that a requirement? in your view, Miles, to, to have that level of success that like you do have a quarterback that, that has that dog in them that is able to really go and, and get people, you know, riled up. And is, is you know, that the thing when people say like the it factor, like Kurt has all the, Kirk has all the talent, but is that the but? Yeah. I'm, so I will, I will say the one thing I'll say is the quarterback position is obviously the single most impactful position in football in sports and, and like, in general, too, just because you have all of the control. Like, yeah, you can hand the ball off. Anybody can hand the ball off. But it's like what you do when you don't hand the ball off. How, does it, how, does the ha- how do you handle situations like, like Michael Jordan? It's not just that, like, 
coming up clutch is a really hard thing to do. Like I hate this idea that most people call when people say a lot of players aren't clutch. I just don't, I don't like that notion. I think you, you're only given so many clutch opportunities in your, in your lifetime. Most of the time. And you'd rather not have to be clutch. You'd rather not have to be clutch, but like if you have to be clutch, it's still not the success factors are always, you're, you're usually less than 50%. So like Michael didn't hit all of his game winning shots. Michael didn't, but Michael hit big shots when he, like, at important times at the same time. So he still did it. He missed his opportunities at the same time. But you obviously over – you see the – you will always remember the good because it does outweigh the bad. Kirk Cousins hasn't outweighed the bad with those clutch situations. So I think that's where a lot of people come in those Kirk isn't clutch. And I'm, I don't think Kirk isn't clutch. I just don't think – like I do think there are times he shies away from some of those like moments, but I don't. I think it's more about like like the Saints game is like I know it's a it's a great example of like we got to see Kirk play loose and play well in it in a big situation to win a big game in an important time, the playoffs. I mean that's where you want to win the most, um, and he played well. Like you need when you need him, he made a big throw to Adam Thielen late. He made a big throw to to Stephon Diggs on the third down, the slant route. He made a big throw to Kyle Rudolph, you know, all that stuff, that last drive in the, in the, in overtime, like he did that, you know, he can do it again. It's really hard to be consistent because you don't want Kirk to be in those situations. Just like I wouldn't want anybody to be in those situations, but you feel more comfortable with a Russell Wilson, a Tom Brady, you know, an Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, like you feel comfortable when those guys are in those moments, they might not even succeed. But you feel comfortable when they have the ball in their hands. What Kirk, makes you feel comfortable? My, okay, can I can I can I interject, Miles? I, I, I would yeah. like to pose this question. When we talk about Jordan, obviously we talk about a guy who was not only clutch, but he could take one of his defining uh, uh, attributes to him is that he could literally put the team on his back. Jordan was going to win you that game, right? Tom Brady, you know, he has that. He does have that clutch team. He can win you that game. He can. You give him two minutes, Tom is going to rip you apart, right? When but not every single you, time, and that's the yeah, that's not, the not part. and not every single time. But you knew that that was in their DNA. They're, yeah. They proved it. What is it uh, for those who do believe in Kirk Cousins, right? What is that defining attribute, that defining thing about him as a player that is just like when all things are knocked down? Not every time, but like when all things are set done. If I have five seconds left on the clock, I am passing the ball to Michael Jordan, and he is going to make that shot. He might not make it, but I I believe wholeheartedly. Well, that, that's that's kind of what I'm problem. getting at. Is I what is his what is his defining uh, attribute that you think that people might be latching on to? Well, so I mean, I know Kirk Kirk will try. He'll attempt the throw. I don't like like that's the hard part, that, and that's what I'm saying is those moments are so hard, like you have to have so many things go your way. Like football is in a, is such a different sport than like basketball and that basketball is basically a singular game in so many ways. One person can infect, can affect the entire game. And I, that quarterback is that, but you also need to rely on other people to, to come forward. Like Kirk can throw a perfect pass, but if a guy drops it, you can't blame, you're going to blame Kirk for that. You can't. Right. But, so there's but a lot of, but, but to that point is again, it, 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 my question is like, 
what is it about Kirk? Is it his? Is it his accuracy? Is it the fact that he no. elevates people around him? Is it his leadership? Is it like he, uh, you know, he has an escapability? Is is there an attribute that Kirk can hold on to that, for those of us who are skeptical, is there an attribute that people can say this is the defining thing about Kirk Cousins that I really really love that allows me to truly believe in him? Because for I, me. I, I felt that it's if you're, if you're looking for that attribute and 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 again like I I have been skeptical about Kirk Cousins but I also can acknowledge that 2019 Kirk Cousins played very very well and he played very well in spite of not the best of circumstances around him which is the thing that um, people sometimes forget like we consider the Vikings to have had like this great supporting cast but Thielen mm-hmm. was hurt for a lot of the season Dalvin was hurt um, the offensive line was still not great. And I think if you're looking for a defining feature of Kirk Cousins, it's his ability to run the offense the way it's supposed to be run and make accurate throws. Like if you're looking for something and like, and that's where I can understand why there are people who still to this day, like believe very strongly in Kirk Cousins is that when you do think of the greats right now, like a Drew Brees, uh, like a Tom Brady and like what makes them so good is like they run their system incredibly efficiently. Like, they run their system to a T. And so if there is something that you were looking to say, like, Kirk Cousins, like, what's his defining feature? He is a lot like those guys in that way. Mm -hmm. But what you also have with Kirk Cousins that you don't get with those guys is that you can sometimes get, like, those moments under pressure where you're like, what did he just do? Like, why? He feels feels ghost pressure. pressure. And he he just, his brain locks up on something and he just makes a decision that makes you question, like, if he's ever played football before, you know? But, like, for the most part, in the majority of the time, if you were going to say, like, what's his defining feature? I would say that he runs an offense, like, basically how they would draw it up. He runs it as well as any quarterback in the league. Yeah. And, like, and that's, and, and I, th- and I do think that's why I think pe- people do give Kirk too much flack is the fact that Kirk is a very efficient quarterback and he's good at doing what you ask him to do. Sometimes, obviously, like the off-script, off, off-script situations, that's not his, his forte. It's just not him. But at the same time, he's really good at what you ask him to do. The chef, and the chef I versus think, the cook, the cook uh, uh, metaphor, essentially. In, in a way, yeah. But but I think he gets too much flack for for it too, because you see so many. There are so many quarterbacks in this league that are so much like Kirk or worse than Kirk that people still try to prop up. People still try to make better. But Kirk gets the heat for being as good or better than a lot of those players. Like I think Kirk's a top ten quarterback, and I think the perception of what a top ten quarterback. Like, I, I understand, like, there's the elite category. There's the Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady's. I get, I get the separation between Kirk and those guys. Kirk he's not on their level. It's also okay that he's not on their level because not everybody is going to be on their level. I also understand the idea of, well, if he's not on that level, we should probably keep looking for someone that can get to that level. But at the same time, I've said, I've said so many times, when a coach GM – all that they're they're the ones coaching or or you know working for their jobs. If they can find a Kirk Cousins, you usually hold on to a Kirk Cousins because they usually keep they don't get you fired. Kirk is too good of a quarterback to get you fired, but he might not be a good enough quarterback. He's going to keep you competitive, and if he gets lucky, he's going to win you a championship. But that luck factor has got to be got has got to be there. But that's to be honest with you, that's probably ninety five percent of the NFL. 
like, again, you have the Patrick Mahomes of the world, Tom Brady's of the world. The rest of the league, it's been hit or miss. It's been who's going to find their way to the championship this year because it hasn't been consistent outside of Tom Brady. So, like, this idea that, like, you've, you've had consistent uh, teams that can compete or contend, but you haven't had consistent winners. So, this, uh, like, this whole idea that Kirk can't, be, can't find a, his lucky way into a championship, of course he can. Joe Flacco and Eli Manning did it. Right. Like, like and, I, think, and- I think anybody can do it in some shape, shape or form. It's about finding that right time and getting lucky at the right time. And, and again, so, like, I understand why – and I, I like Kirk Cousins as a quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. But I also acknowledge, like, the faults that he has. But he gets so much heat for a lot of the stuff he does as well that I just don't think is fair. And so I'm, I'm not even trying to, like, truly defend him. I'm also just trying to be, like, more of, like – I try to be impartial. Like, I'm a, I'm a big Vikings fan, but I try to look at things from so many different perspectives. I look at Matthew Stafford in, in Detroit. I look at Matt Ryan. I'm, I will not talk bad about Matt Ryan in Atlanta. Um, I look at a lot of quarterbacks like in that level, in that tier that I think Kirk Cousins is in, and those guys aren't getting the same heat that Kirk Cousins gets, but they're still making as much money as Kirk Cousins. But Kirk Cousins still gets the heat that – and Kirk's done more than Matt Stafford has in his career, and Kirk still gets more heat than Matt Stafford does. And I like Matt Stafford. I think Matt Stafford's a really good quarterback. But he's had 10 years of nothing. I mean, to be fair, it's Detroit. Like, who cares? But I hate that. I hate that logic, too. Like, but again, right? Like, okay, but isn't he supposed to be the guy? He's supposed to be the guy to take them over the top because he's the quarterback. No doubt. No doubt. But, like, so, like they, they, they stink. You know, like, so they, and rant, they right. don't get as much. They don't get – Kirk is the guy who came in, Washington. Yeah, big, yeah. Big market. You know, did some things. They never really won anything. So, like, you obviously have, like, the media frenzy around here. Came to the Vikings with the pressure of now being, like, the guy, the missing piece. To win something. You know, I get it. Top. And so, you know, heavy heavy is the head and all that stuff. But I, I, I agree. In, in many ways, um, yeah, a lot I, – I would say I, I have come around uh, in, in many ways on Kirk Cousins because – as you look at things and you dig in and you actually start to look at like his play and not just like his raw grade, but like when I look back at the season and his grade relative to like what he had around him and the coaching and strength of schedule and all that stuff, Kurt balled last season. Is he going to do it again? I don't know. But like last season he balled. And so right. like, it doesn't feel fair. Like some of the criticism, it's just, you know, we're, we're locked into our previous takes and like pride won't let us kind of move right. on what we previously thought, but there's not a lot of options in the league that you could look at right now. Like if you're looking at, you know, like pro football focus grades or something like that, like there's not a lot of options that you'd be pointing to in the league that you're like, Oh yeah, that guy's like way better than Kirk Cousins. Right. Look and at you, those guys aren't available. Yeah. Like you're not just going to go and like, Hey, chiefs, can we borrow Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> next season? Just, just for a year, just for yeah. a year. Like Seahawks. Well, I mean, they, they were trying to trade Russell Wilson. So maybe we can get him. Is that real? Like yeah, I mean, there, if if we're hearing about it, there's at least something there. It is true. No, no, for sure. First of all, rumors, remember? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But one thing I wanted to touch on real quick, Jason, that you'd mentioned with Phil Jackson, I I just wanted to bring back up, and then we could kind of you know go from there. Uh, what I loved about Phil Jackson, I think Steve Kerr's brought this to his his time in Golden State. What I love about them as coaches is they they build an infrastructure for their teams. Like obviously, he has the triangle offense. Like Phil's famous for the triangle offense. He builds that infrastructure, but then he lets his players do it. Like, 
at the end of games, Michael, like he would, like Phil would say something, and Michael's like, I don't agree with that. Phil's like, okay, go, let's go for it. Like Phil would let them play play ball. Like, and again, I know basketball is a different game than football. Basketball is is there's a lot more impact from like two or three guys total than there is in football, where obviously the quarterback, but then you need so many other guys to factor in. But at the same time, I like, and sometimes I do think Zim does let his guys play. I think he, what he's done with Harrison Smith has been, you know, nothing short of phenomenal. He lets Harrison Smith, you know, do he, – he knows Harrison Smith's a reactionary type of player. He puts him in p- positions to let him play freely. I think that's great. I would love to see a little bit more of that overall. Like, I think Gary Kubiak does have a little bit of that. Like, he has his infrastructure of his offense. But I also don't think Gary – like, what I think I'm more confident with Gary Kubiak than maybe Stefanski is – Kubiak has a proven track record, so I think Zim will let him be a little bit more free with what he wants to do with his offense rather than what he was willing to let Stefanski do with his offense because, yes, Stefanski, like, he trusted Stefanski to a, t- to a point, but he also had a babysitter in, in Gary Kubiak because Zim wanted him to have a babysitter because he wanted a certain offense. He wanted to run the football, but I also think if Gary Kubiak thinks I need to win by f- passing the football, he's going to tell Zimmer to, to kick rocks and he's going to pass the football because he knows better than Zimmer what an offense needs to do to succeed. And so I think I have a little bit more confidence in Gary to play a little bit more. The infrastructure is there, right? The, that's built. We know it's a play-action heavy, two tight end, you know, fullback type of offense. We know that. We know play-action is a prevalent, huge part of this offense. They're going to run the football, but I also think Gary's going to throw in a little bit more wrinkles and twists that I don't think Kevin Stefanski had the ability to do based off of what he was given in the keys. And I think Kirk getting Kirk and that offense getting to have another season of a consistent consistency within an offense is just only going to help them. It doesn't mean they're going to have a better output in 2020 than they did in 2019, but I think there's a little bit more, you're going to see a lot more consistency from that offense. All right, Prince. Final point, final thing. What would you need to see? Because, like, on in the group, on the pod, you 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 were kind of the the final, like Kirk Cousins detractor, if you will. What do you want to see? What would help you feel like he has turned things over and like something more process related than outcome? Because winning the Super Bowl is incredibly difficult. There's a lot of luck that goes into it, healthy team, all that stuff. So, like, reductionist analysis is like, well, we didn't win the Super Bowl, so Kirk Cousins is bad is stupid. So, like, none of that, please. <laughs> but, um, like, what would you want to see for you to feel more comfortable about Kirk Cousins, like, being the guy as we move forward and the guy that we should just continue to build around, the guy that we should give all the toys, the way that, you know, KC – year over year, just adds more weapons to that offense, more speed to that offense to make life easier for Mahomes. What would make you feel comfortable about Kirk Cousins to feel like, hey, he's just a guy. We need to go all in and give him everything he needs and just build around him until we win some. Yeah, I mean, winning is important, obviously. Um, I, I've never been the cat. We didn't win the Super Bowl, so I'm, I'm down on Kirk Cousins. I, I, that, I don't. I don't think ever that's a fair evaluation of a quarterback because a lot of things need to happen in order for you to get there. Um, my thing has always been about consistency with Kirk Cousins. Um, it, it's weird to me, like, good and bad. Uh, 
it's weird to me that last year last year was arguably his best season to date um around less than ideal circumstances like i said adam Dean was gone off his line was so uh was so shaky uh running back situation was a little shaky or whatever um but he had his best statistical season last year um and the pre- previous year, he had a lot of things working for him, uh, having that wide receiver tandem in place. And at times, he would struggle. Um, I think what I'm see- what I'm looking for, for for Kirk, which is why I asked the, his defining trait is, I'm going to put up more of a laser focus on that defining trait and see how much it does um, ring true for Kirk year over year. Because um, I do want to see him continue to run this offense and – um, in a way that is so clearly efficient that, you know, I'm, I'm, I, 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 are there times I want him to just go out there and be the, um, you know, be, be the badass and just really just take over the game? Yeah, I do want to see him be able to do that. Um, but I think consistently I would like to see him run this office in a way that's like, you know, we're not, we're, he's not throwing 400 uh, uh, yards a game. He's not throwing for, four or five touchdowns a game. I don't need any of that stuff. Um, I I would like to see the consistency of, like, honestly, this year, this this year, I would like to see another year of, not not this, this caliber because it was his best year today, and I don't expect players to have their best year and, and then and either get to that level or increase it, but I would like his numbers to be consistent, consistently around what 2019 was um, because he, I think he is going to start getting into better uh, situations and I would like to not necessarily see the regression of oh you know um you know what's going to happen if he loses Adam Thielen well his number one target is going to be Justin Jefferson uh what's going to happen if you know yeah which isn't terrible but it, it is it's like uh you know he's still a rookie um what's it's not even about Justin Jefferson what what's behind him <laughs> yeah exactly it, it, but but seriously if you had to just rely on if Adam Thielen got injured again do you just rely on Justin Jefferson Who's all those people that he are now going to need to be the second and the third guy? Um, if you lose, if you are, if you're, if you get, we have actually been lucky um, that we haven't had over the last couple of years. We haven't had a ton of injury on the offensive line at the the key spots. Riley Reef has been fairly healthy. You know, Brian O'Neill has been fairly healthy, right? Um, so we haven't been really shuffling that around. We haven't had any like major season-ending ending injuries at those positions. And that might happen. And I would like to see Kirk still operate, like you guys have been saying, that offense uh, at an efficient level, knowing that things aren't around him. And there isn't as much of that that uh, robotics uh, short circuit that sometimes happens with him. I um, will say that that's why I think this offense is a lot more friendly to Kirk and everybody around him because of the way it's built, the infrastructure. Not that you can just plug and play anybody. Yeah. But you saw that without Adam Thielen last year, BC Johnson, who is a, you know, replacement level, you know, lower level tier receiver. I like BC Johnson too, as like a seventh round draft pick. He wasn't anything to write home about. He was a consistent in what they asked him to do, but overall, like, and even what they were at, they still asked Diggs to do while Thielen was out. Wasn't like a favorable thing. He just was the deep threat. Um, But what it showed is that they can, they can still succeed in this offense with some pieces being missing because of the infrastructure they have built. And again, that doesn't mean you want those guys to be gone. I still think the offense isn't going to be as good without digs. That doesn't mean 
that they can't be successful without Diggs, right. which they likely will be. It's not yeah. – it's, to me, it's not even about – yes, I don't mean to interrupt, but just more of no, like – No, no, and that's what, that's what I was heading The offense in itself yeah. helps, helps them, which is a, it's just, it's a good thing. Yeah, and that, that's where – that's basically where my, my point was heading is like I, I do want – because I, it does feel like we've built an infrastructure. We've been asking for it for a number of years, but it does feel like we're finally there where we have a, a, a structure that's like, okay, you could, you should be able to succeed in this, this offense. Right. Um, and I want to see Kirk consistently do that because again, winning the Super Bowl, uh, going 13 and three, all that stuff. Not that it's like heavily out of his, you know, out of his, uh, um, you know, the, his actions and stuff. Uh, it's just that there's so many things that need to happen because the defense is going to have terrible games. If the defense gets blown out, and Kirk gets asked to put up, you know, down 28 nothing, and Kirk's asked to come back from victory, I'm not putting that on Kirk. I'm putting that on defense, right? But if, I, if I'm if i within three uh, because of, you know, other team being good too, I expect Kirk to, to perform in, in, the, in that circumstance. So um, I'm measuring him on, I think, more realistic um, scenarios that I would want to see him consistently perform in. And, again, he's not always going to hit that clutch shot. And, but at the same time, it's, it's what he, what did he do before the clutch moment needed to happen? Right. That's what I think he should be graded on and not just what happened in the clutch moment. There we go. Miles, anything to add? Oh, that's, that's a really good point. Boom. Well, there it is. It's a miracle. We're ending this Prince on a ramp. And Prince making what Miles has to say is a very good point. I don't know that Miles has ever said that to Prince before. He hasn't. He hasn't. We're going to save it. I'll, I'll is, say for uh, me, what I'm looking for is, uh, is, is for Kirk to uh, have some good games against Green Bay and Chicago. That's, that's what I want to see. Because last year, Green Bay, Lord, yeah. Lord have mercy. But I think that goes a long way. Like, actually being able – for us to be able to figure out how to deal with uh, the, the decent defenses in our division – Yep. The long way, I think, to... Those are the key to the rest of the season. Yeah. Because those Green Bay games, Lord, those were not those were not fun games to watch him quarterback in. And Chicago's another team that can get after you with four and, and make coverage difficult. So uh, those are the games that I want to see how the offense and, and how Kirk Cousins performs in those, those, those tougher situations because those are the ones that we're going to be dealing with for the next little bit. Um, and yeah. That is it. That's all, gentlemen. As always, thanks for uh, for taking time out of your busy lockdown schedules to come on and chat. Listeners, thanks for, for sticking with us. And I guess if you're watching this, thanks for watching. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's all. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one.